Am I in video? Nope. 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 Okay. Nope. Unless I'm you're standing a- really still. All right. <laughs> so I, I can pick my nose then. That's good. <laughs> Would you like to join the conversation with the iFreaks and their guests? Want to support the show? We have a forum that allows you to join the conversation and support the show at the same time. You can sign up at ifreakshow.com slash forum. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 54 of the iFreak Show. This week on our panel we have Ben Sherman. Hello from Houston. James Uber. Hello from Minneapolis. Andrew Madsen. Hello from Salt Lake City. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv and we have a special guest this week, Ben Johnson. Hello from cold Boston. It's still not summer here, sadly. <laughs> well, it's kind of the same here in uh, Salt Lake area, though I understand it's going to get warmer at the end of the week. So, Winter is still coming. I'm, I'm originally from Mississippi, and I can tell you that it is uh, way past due for it to be warm here in Boston. So <laughs> It's still chilly, but glad to be here and glad to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Cool. You want to introduce yourself? Sure, sure. Yeah. So, uh, my name's Ben. I have been building apps both as a, as an engineer for, I mean, since right around the beginning of the app store. And I, I kind of moved from doing my own engineering. I had my own little consulting firm. We were building apps for small local businesses. We kind of had a little of a, a corner on the tire market. So all of the tire shops of the world seem to want to contact me to build an app. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, in the, you know, in the interim, I built a, a calendar and productivity app called Free Time, which got featured by Apple a bunch of times. And we can talk about that. And, and now I'm at a company here in Boston. We do consulting work for all sorts of different types of companies, you know, both small and large called Raise Labs. And we build iPhone, iPad, and Android apps across a number of different verticals for lots of different types of people. So certainly have a ton of experience in launching apps to the App Store, though I can say it still is a nerve-wracking experience. And every time you hit that submit button, a little little chill goes through. You still <laughs> still worry that it might get rejected. But uh yeah, so excited to be on. Oh very nice. I so they reject you just to keep you honest. You know, that's for nothing. I'll just try something. <laughs> yeah, it's it's happened too many times. I mean, honestly, the uh, <laughs> the App Store review process, we, we do Android apps as well, and it is really unfortunate how long it takes, but it also, I, I see the benefits of it, but at the same time, it, it's such a, a chilling uh, event to happen. It can really throw a wrench in schedules, and especially when you got clients breathing down your neck, we need to ship, we need to ship, it gets, gets tricky. Yeah. So If you're trying to meet a deadline that coincides with some other event that's not related to the app, uh, it can really cause problems. So we had a, a client app that we built for uh, a company. They wanted to do sort of like this Twitter integration around the World Cup. So we used the word World Cup in the title, and that's a FIFA trademark. Uh, so we got rejected at the last minute, and we we're like, I don't really know what to call it. And uh, we ended up shortening it to just WC and resubmitting because we had to get it out there. Uh, not really thinking that uh, WC chatter was kind of a hilarious thing for uh, people in Europe. <laughs> uh, that one did get approved. Uh, slightly embarrassing name, but we did get it out there. But, you know, after the World Cup had started, uh, and that was just something that we didn't really even think that would be an issue. Turned the, out it the was. Thing, yeah. The thing that I like about the App Store review process, and I think this is ultimately why, so the, the app that I did, uh, Free Time, the, the calendar and productivity app, is a pretty cool app, but I think ultimately the reason that it did get picked up is there are, 
you know, there are people, actual people doing the reviews and, you know, I've met them and they're, they're very nice people to meet in person and then you hate them when they reject your app. <laughs> but, uh, but they're, they're super nice people. And I think, Ultimately, the way that it you know really works in terms of the curation is that they're kind of the first line of defense. And so, as much as you know, people may scream and holler about you know getting rejected. Like they keep the cruft, or at least as much as they can, out of the app store. And they also are bubbling up some of the cool new new apps. And so, you know, for for us, we really just kind of stumbled upon getting featured in the store. But I think it really ultimately boiled down to you know someone saying, "Hey, this is kind of interesting. Maybe it should get a second look." And you can't really do that with a computer. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to second the whole curation thing. I'd rather have the review process than not have one. Just a few times searching through the Android store for apps, it gets kind of frustrating. And I think they've done a good job of sort of weeding out the bad stuff after the fact. But uh, just a couple of years ago, I was uh, on somebody's Android phone searching for the Skype app. And so I typed in Skype and hit search. And like 10 or 15 apps that all had the Skype logo, slightly different in variation, they are all called Skype but which one is the real one? And, you know, I'm, I'm a nerd. I can discern minor details and figure it out. But uh, like normal people, muggles, I guess, if you call them, <laughs> uh, aren't going to be able to discern that difference. And, and uh, when you're violating somebody's trademark, like we were on accident, or, you know, if somebody else is on purpose and using the same icon, it's nice to at least have some pair of eyes that can hopefully weed that stuff out. Now, granted, some pretty egregious things have gotten through, but, uh, you know, nobody's perfect. The other thing is, is that I had an Android phone before I had uh, my iPhone 5, and I have to say that, you know, for the most part, the apps were okay, but sometimes you'd get something that was like half done, and it would crash your phone and stuff like that, and if that kind of stuff happens during the review process, they won't let it in, and so I haven't had as many of those issues on my iPhone or iPad. Oh, absolutely. Quality of apps is, you know, definitely weeded out by that initial uh, that initial screen. And it's kind of funny. I, I've talked to some people on the, the Google kind of marketing team as well. And they've got a tall order to sift through the apps that get submitted because you, you've really got to do a, you know, a, a good look at what it, how it works and, and how it functions. And honestly, I think the, I think the insider secret, and I don't know this for sure, but I, I think most of the apps that are featured, uh, in the Google Play Store are people who have relations with the Google team. I mean, like actually knows somebody on the marketing team or they've got that connection so that they can verify, okay, this is a real person. It's legit. And there's nothing, there's nothing sketchy going on under the hood because you can imagine how terrible it would be if one of those fake Skype apps or it wouldn't be with something high profile as Skype, but you can imagine another nefarious app that harvests people's data and then sends it up to the cloud and Google's, you know, caught in the spotlight for featuring it. That's kind of a risky proposition for them. So I, I think they have a, a much higher burden to make sure that, that apps are, are quality, uh, at least on their Google Play feature list. So we got you here to talk a little bit about getting featured in the App Store, and we've talked a bit about this on the show before, but I'm, I'm kind of curious what kinds of things you mentioned that you've had an app that was featured before the show, and you also mentioned that you have client apps that have been featured. Are there kind of common threads between those that get them noticed, or is there some other trick to it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the thread, it can be both frustrating, but also, you know, it's it, it's pretty simple. You need to build something that that's great. Right. It's got to be an app that both Apple and the people who use it say, wow, this is really something different. And, you know, in many ways, it's, it's a new and novel approach to something. So the app that 
I built that ultimately got featured by Apple and, you know, continues to do so every time we, we update ultimately is just a way to look at your calendar in a different way. And that was new and novel for them. And it was a great app. And so really what it shows you is the inverse of when you're busy, it shows you the free time, right? Pretty simple concept, but a new take on it. And so I think they both look for something that's innovative and novel, but also something that really follows the standards that they've set forward. You know, this is, I I have more experience on, you know, the, the Apple side of things. I think Google's still kind of figuring out their featuring system, but at least in Apple's world, playing by the rules that they've set forward. So the human interface guidelines, you know, adopting those and following standard UI patterns and, you know, really kind of playing nicely in their sandbox to build an app that they expect and that users who use their platform expect. That's a great, huge first step. I mean, that's almost a prerequisite. You have to have that. And that kind of reminds me of uh, Marco Arment's comments when he was building the magazine. He was like, who's building the killer newsstand app? And Apple seems to be pushing for that. And there were really no great newsstand apps that people were looking forward to. And he was like, here's a chance for me to get featured in the store because there's like no competition there. Other things that he has suggested is like looking at the features of the OS, like iOS 7. You know, what does it do differently than it did before and which apps can take advantage of that, like the motion co- coprocessor and the 5S, things like that, that you, that Apple is clearly trying to push forward with their own stuff. If you're the highlight app in that category, then you have a better chance of, of being featured, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, a, a, a funny one is Passbook, right? So they still, to this day, I think they may have just stopped doing it, but had a, you know, they've got, they have kind of their main, uh, you know, main featured apps, but they have those secondary category cards that they have where you can go into a section or find a, uh, you know, find a different type of app. But they've been constantly promoting Passbook and there are apps in there that do a good job with integrating with Passbook. And I think it's only one of the airlines, right? One of the airlines got on early. I think it was maybe American Air or something. And they just have been riding the wave of Apple saying, oh, you guys were the first. We really like you. And playing into what Apple is pushing on a, you know, kind of a marketing agenda is important too. So when we start thinking about, you know, what's coming with iOS 8, well, let's say there's a new screen size. Being there at the beginning to say our app supports the new phone right out of the gate. And it has all the sizes and it's built for iOS 7 and it's, or built for iOS 8 and it's the latest, you know, generation. That just, I mean, it's kind of like you're the star student, right? Like they, <laughs> you got to be a little bit of a suck up and they like that. They like, you know, rewarding the people who say, Oh, we love, we love Apple. We love what you do. And we love being on the forefront of what Apple is interested in. So yeah, that's couldn't say that more playing into that strength uh, of, you know, what the, what the priority is for the calendar event or, you know, the new change on whatever new OS is coming out is yeah a really good strategy. Now, I mean, I guess we kind of just jumped into like getting featured. Maybe it's obvious, but like, why do we want to be featured on the app store? Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's an obvious it's question, cool. but I just, I think, I think that, that uh, yeah, yeah, it looks cool to see your banner in front of everybody's eyes, but like, what does it mean for sales and that sort of thing? Downloads? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if, if you guys know numbers. I mean, at least in our experience, my personal experience and our experience with working with clients, getting featured for a free app can translate to 10,000 or more downloads a day. And usually the features run about a week. 
uh, and sometimes two weeks if they really like you. Uh, they push you to the second tier. But the way that the Apple system works, you know, they they meet as a team on Tuesdays. Uh, we know this because we know some people, and we've we've done some sleuthing. They meet as a team on Tuesdays, and they they select apps to nominate, and ultimately those go up on a Thursday. You basically stay in the spotlight for that week, and then subsequently you could either get bumped or you could stay on for the next week. So you're looking at a you know grand total of potential for 140,000 plus downloads just because you did a good job. And when you think about all of the the issues with search and discovery on the App Store, that is a a gigantic advantage for a new startup or someone who's looking to get traction. I think those numbers pretty much jive with what we've seen on iOS, maybe even higher, depending on... I think it, it, it depends a lot on what category your app is in, because some apps will just a- appeal to more people than others, but we're in music, and we see numbers like that when we're featured. Yeah, if it's anything like the podcasting in iTunes, which is a different marketplace, but it's the same kind of thing with new and noteworthy. If you get featured in there, your your traffic goes way up. And the other thing is is that when they sort the podcasts... Um, they sort them by total number of downloads or total number of subscriptions. I don't remember which. So if you have a long-running podcast, it's easier to get higher up on the list when people search for your thing. So it, it really does make a difference because if you're a brand new app, you don't have a lot of downloads, or you're, if you're a brand new podcast and you don't have a, a lot of subscriptions, you know you're way down on the list. Yeah, especially yeah. if you have a somewhat common name. If you have common yeah. keywords, it's going to take a while for you to get anywhere in the top 10 or 20. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a huge, uh, I mean, it's, it's basically free marketing. I mean, when we, when we launched free time, we were getting like a couple hundred downloads. And I, I thought that was, I thought that was it. I thought we had reached the, the pinnacle of, of success. I was so pumped. I was like, 200 people have our app. This is amazing. And then all of a sudden the floodgates opened. I mean, we were literally getting 10,000 downloads a day. And of course that set off like a little bit of a, a fire in, in support and bugs. And there was all sorts of stuff that kind of rained on us and press inquiries. And it was, it was kind of a tirade. But if you're ready for it, if you know what you're about to get and you, you magically show up in that column, it can really, really changed the way that your app is found and discovered and then, you know, grows virally from there. So it can be a huge win. Ben, you talked about how a reviewer initially saw your app and recognized it and said, oh, this is kind of good and kind of started the kickstarted the process that way. Have you been able to kind of leverage that and kind of work with the same reviewer? Or how does no. that work? Yeah, you don't, you don't get, you don't know. I, this is my, that, that's a little bit of a hypothesis. I don't know exactly, you know, what happened. I imagine that that I, from talking with them, they definitely do flag interesting apps that they see, but they don't, you don't get to work with the same reviewer. What I can say though, in terms of repeatability, it's kind of like you're in the, the cool club once you're there. And it's, it's kind of a, a shitty thing to say, but once you're featured, you're on a list. And, and I know this because we would push updates and somehow someone somewhere would immediately find it. And so the chances of us being able to just, uh, a reviewer sees us and then pushes it to the, the feature column is, is unlikely. You get on a list and that team that reviews the list, the, you know, the iTunes marketing team or the App Store, App Store marketing team, they get notifications when you update. So, 
once you're once you're in, you're kind of you're in, and it's in your best interest to stay, uh, you know, stay current and keep pushing updates and just kind of milk it for what it's worth. But yeah, on the review side, you don't get as much access to the people. Though I I have talked to a few of them. I wish I had the same person because they would be nice to me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I wish I wish you did. My first app uh, back in 2009 was uh, featured uh, right around Christmas time, which was freaking amazing. It was a it was a great Christmas present. And I had no no idea how it happened. It just showed up. So I climbed to maybe number 10 in the music category or maybe number nine. I'm not sure, but it equated to like quite a bit of sales. And I was, you know, it made me switch careers actually to become a full-time iOS developer just because I saw the potential. But yeah, I had no indication of like why it was featured or, you know, who saw it and what they thought about it or anything like that. Yeah, it it is a little bit of a black box, but, you know, from talking to to some of the people that are on the team. I mean, it really goes back to, you know, what I said earlier that you got to look at current apps and see what the, see what the trends are. You have to understand Apple's marketing agenda. You need to know what they're pushing and you need to know, you know, seasonally what's happening. And then you got to make a great app. So it's a tall order to do it. And there's a lot of work involved with it, but it's certainly a huge, huge boom. I can't even imagine what it would have been like to be, you know, around Christmas time. That's, that's an awesome proposition. The, the sad part <laughs> is that, uh, you know, it, it, it does go down, you know, you, your traffic does kind of drop. And so you got to figure out, you know, featuring is definitely one thing, but figuring out how to continue to build that momentum is also important as well. So I actually wanted to talk about that. I, I'm curious to know what you think about ways to take advantage of being featured. So being featured gives you this huge boost, but like you talk about after maybe a week or maybe two, it really starts to drop off quickly. And it seems like there might be ways that you keep taking advantage of the fact that you were featured or at least maximize that opportunity. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people don't think about that, right? <laughs> it's, oh, well, we're going to get featured. And then they forget. And even, you know, uh, when we, when we first launched, I didn't even have, we didn't have any analytics in the app. So we lost out on so much data and so much understanding. So I think that's the first key is, is having, you know, having insights in terms of those people being ready to, to learn from how they, you know, how, how they use the app and how, uh, how you should change it to accommodate them. Can, but can then, I derail you for a second? What sure, kinds yeah. of things should you be measuring with those analytics? Sure. A lot of clients always ask this. They're like, well, can we just tag everything and we'll figure it out after the fact? And usually what that leads to is a lot of data that no one understands. So it depends on each app, right? But you got to ask specific questions. You need to say, what do users who come to this app for the first time think about it? When are they dropping off? You know, when do they leave a particular screen? And so monitoring session length is an important thing. That's pretty, that's built in with a lot of analytics libraries. We, we've actually built, uh, one of our clients is a company called Localytics, which does app analytics. So we've thought about this stuff a lot. And really it does come back to, to questions. So you have a lot of assumptions of who these people are, but how do they actually interact with the functionality? And then also getting a sense of, Okay, what is what is something that we could maybe refine? Where are people uh, not necessarily understanding what the intent was? Where are they not getting to uh, you know some of the functionality you thought was cool? That's the thing when you put out an app, you have no idea. You think it's the coolest thing in the world, and then everyone else says it is the coolest thing in the world, but not because of what you thought it was. Like so, for us, I mean, we thought it was all about sharing free time, right? We're like, oh yeah, you can find your free time, you can share it, and then to look back at the analytics and like no one does that. So we should have been asking the question, and we were to some extent, 
what do people find interesting about this app? Because that lets you hone in on what your value proposition is. And that lets you define that this is the direction we want to continue to iterate and update. And you find the rough edges and then you keep, you keep iterating. You keep pushing out updates. And then Apple keeps featuring you because they see you're, you know, building momentum and you keep harvesting that sort of, that energy. And that's, that's, that's at least an important first step. Something that we did that's that's a little different than analytics is we we have an iOS app that's a paid app. It's just a straight paid app without an app purchase or anything like that. So we only make money if we sell copies of it. But um, when we've been featured, we've immediately made it free because we decided we just wanted a lot of users. And you'll get way more downloads, of course, with a free app than than a paid app. But um, we figured out that one thing that's valuable from free users is to get their email address for our mailing list and. Partly we're in a u- unique position because we sell desktop app- apps, Mac apps that are significantly more expensive. So if we can convert a free iOS download into a paid Mac version, that's good. But I mean, that certainly built up our email list a lot really quickly and it helped us. Of course, y- you don't want to be like sneaky or gross about it. You want to get people's email addresses voluntarily and we do that, but it's worked really well. Yeah, that's that. That's a good strategy. I didn't, you know, we, we we've used that in a couple of apps, and it's been more of a long term thing. And I, I, I'm curious, you know, in terms of the the going free, it sounds like you guys are ready for it, right? And you've got a you've got a way to to upsell. I think for the individual app user, I definitely would not do that, right? Like if it's just me publishing my own app, and that's really, and it's a paid app, and that's all I do. I don't necessarily know if I'd advocate going free because it kind of sets a double standard. It completely increases your support costs and, you know, just the general cost of op- operating the app and the benefits of free users are, it's a little hard to define. I think when, in your case, when you're upselling on the Mac app store, that makes a ton of sense. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't advocate that for somebody who's just got their own single iOS app, but we're, we're in a good position where our Mac apps are really our flagship apps and the iOS app is kind of the, the small time thing and we're, we're ready for those users. We're ready to do something with them, ready for the support. And of course, when we're, we've been featured on the Mac app store too, and we do not go free there. We just ride the extra money coming in from paid app sales. Yeah. One of the things I'm, I'm curious, I mean, you guys have talked about, you know, a couple of the, the apps that you have that have been featured. I mean, has, has everyone on here had an app that was <laughs> featured in the app store? Cause I feel like we're a small percentage if that's the case. <laughs> I, I have a confession to make. I've, I have no apps in the app store. So <laughs> there you go. Okay. So that's a no. So one, one for at least one of us. So this is all for you, Chuck. I appreciate yeah, but that. But I mean, yeah, when you, when I think about all the apps that I've worked on, that's the only one that I can recall that was featured. There's been some stuff that were on lists like deep into the categories, you know, and that's good. But I mean, I think being on the front page is where it's at. (laughs) The other thing that's interesting is different countries. People don't think about that because, you know, the iTunes homepage is, that's the big one, right? That's where, you know, the 10,000 plus downloads are coming from. And, but there, there's definitely something to be said about featured in, in different. Uh, locales. And if your app is localized, you know, as much as it may not be as glorious and if you're building apps here, you can't turn to somebody and say, Hey, open the app store and check out the app. It's featured, but those can generate some pretty sizable amount of downloads. We have a, my, my app uh, has a very large amount of users in Cutter and it continues to be featured in Cutter. Blows my mind as to why, but for some reason, you know, based on just traffic and downloads, like we have a lot of people 
there. And so I wouldn't certainly wouldn't discount that. It's not something that I I think happens out of uh, curation. There there are some uh, some different locales that are curated by a you know a, a regional representative of on the marketing team. Some of them are just based on traffic and and downloads and and features across other categories. But they can add up and it certainly help a lot in terms of overall downloads. What kind of tool do you use to track this information? You mentioned keeping an eye on your rank in other stores and. Uh, you know, obviously, you need to keep on top of reviews. Also, do you have any uh, recommended tools? Go to one for me is is App Annie. I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. That's what we use too. I, I use that for my personal apps, and we also use it at Mixing Key. I've used AppFizz as well. I I like those guys a lot actually. But for kind of like the on the indie side of things, that you know they've got a. It's not a free product, so there's there's certainly uh, some cost there, even on a monthly, ongoing basis. And just looking at the sales that we had, it wasn't as um, you know, it wasn't as much of a value prop for us. But but they're still still great great thing. And and for larger companies that you know have the budget to do it, they've got some really more in depth tools. But App Annie's pretty slick. Uh, definitely keeps you up to date, and I, I tell you, like that's the that's the best email I get every day. I don't know if if you guys, you guys get this, but the you know, hey, you made money yeah. while you were sleeping. I love that yeah. email. I forgot I had just published uh, an update to an old app of mine, Giggle Touch, uh, for for kids, and uh, it's like complete rewrite with Sprite Kit and everything. And I was hoping that it would make a little bigger splash, and it did. I started getting, you know, one and two downloads a day and and uh, stuff like that. I just checked uh, in App Annie. Apparently, I'm huge in Panama. I had 23 sales yesterday in Panama for some reason. Well done. So, yeah, I guess I wouldn't have known that. I don't, I don't really pay attention to App Annie very much, partially because this, is, this app is just uh, getting back into the store. So, I don't know. I'll, I'll keep an eye on it. It's a good way to just keep a baseline. And the other thing is it keeps a lot of historical data. That's one of the ways I've been able to keep tabs on how many times we've been featured, right? Because they they keep track of that sort of stuff. And so that sort of historical knowledge of sequence and cadence lets you know that like, you know, updating every four to six weeks is a good thing because Apple's kind of, you know, they're primed and ready after a couple of months to be like, hey, yeah, we'll throw you another feature. So... You know, things like that, it certainly gives you a little more perspective on the bigger picture, which I like a lot. I want to go back to something you said earlier. Um, You said that you have to make a great app. Are there things that people kind of overlook when they're building apps that would make it so that it's not a great enough app to be featured? I think there are. You know, I think that a lot of times people really go for breadth as opposed to depth. And I think what, you know, it goes back to... uh, the apps that Apple builds, right? They're pretty straightforward apps, you know, notepad, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty simple. Mail, that's all it does. They aren't kind of uh, whiz-bang apps that have lots of different, you know, functionality and can do lots of different things. Or if they are, they're hidden in that kind of secondary benefit. And I think that, I think that Apple really appreciates simplicity, obviously. And I think that apps that do that can certainly stand a better chance. I think that from a design perspective as well, a lot of people try to customize and overbrand and you know just kind of really push their name as opposed to pushing their app. One of the great great talks I saw in New York was from uh, one of the UI evangelists who isn't at Apple anymore named Mark Quano, and he just gave a great presentation which I think people can look up. It was at the New York Tech Talks about 
what are the things that you should be doing in your apps and what are the things that you shouldn't? And one of those is overbranding, right? Putting your name on every page and saying, we're so awesome, we're awesome, we're awesome, and not ever giving users something. That's a really hard one, you know? Like, it is, yeah. It's, you know, you you can obviously say, you know, you don't need to say it on every page, but pretty much everybody wants like a splash screen with their logo on it. And then at the navigation bar at the top, you got your logo there. And I've pushed back as, you know, as hard as I can with client apps to say, you know, they've already tapped with their finger the button that says <laughs> your name on it, like they know which app they're in. And, and basically you're just re regurgitating the stuff that uh, Mark Kawano talked about in that talk, uh, which is excellent, by the way. He talks about like, the importance of a good app icon and testing at various sizes so it's recognizable and not too busy and it's a really great talk and unfortunately like all the stuff in that talk is all like ios 6 related <laughs> right right yeah i wish but, you could redo it come back yeah. and, and do it for ios 7 no you're totally right like that is a tough line and i actually you know it's it's funny if you look at at, at free time currently it, i'm currently redoing it because it certainly has the name all over it and that's one of the things i've probably learned in hindsight it's a tough thing with clients too because they want their logo it's they're they're paying for it right but you're right They've tapped on the icon. I usually am okay with a splash screen. I think a splash screen is a nice way to welcome someone into an experience. But it's the constant reminding them of, of, of how awesome the app is and not letting them explore it that I think too many apps kind of fall, uh, mm -hmm. fall into that trap. So it's a tight line to balance, but I think if you can do it well and really kind of get out of the way, you know, say, here, here I am, this is what we do, and we're great, and this is for you. It's something that you can use. It's your personal app, and then you get out of the way, I think that's a great way to to make Apple happy. And then obviously, I mean, there's easy stuff too, like following UI conventions and not reinventing, you know, crazy navigation patterns and, you know, changing assumptions, not making a tab bar app, not a tab bar app. And that's just a quick way to fly in the face of Apple. You, you, you break some of those very classic UI conventions and they'll scoff at that and they, they won't feature something like that. I will say in the last probably six months, I have seen the bar drop a little bit on the featured apps and it's a little bit discouraging because I've seen some apps that I know are featured because of their partnership with Apple and I won't name names, but you know, large brands that may have had something to do with a big sporting event recently uh, that involved the entire world. Not a great app, but you know it's kind of topical, so I think they kind of got it shoved down upon them. But that one certainly did not follow any UI paradigms. I, I don't know what you're talking about, because the big sporting event that involves the entire world happens in June. John, that's you're totally right. <laughs> the the other one doesn't matter. Or it's uh it's the World Cup app, yeah. That <laughs> was the NHL playoffs. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, the Bruins Bruins game, yeah. Now yeah, I, I think there's there's certainly simple things, but reading the HIG, I can't I, I, I tell people this all the time, but uh reading the Apple human interface guidelines, like I know the guys who wrote that and they spent they I mean that's all they do. They literally just they they write and refine and write that document. And it is in many ways the Bible and, and following it as close as you can is a surefire way to get uh, in a really good spot with Apple. Are there some other ways to raise your visibility with the App Store? I mean, we can make a, an app that behaves well, that uses the new features Apple wants to do. But are there other avenues we can take if you're just some lowly app developer and don't have kind of big pockets behind you? 
Yeah. So one of the things you can reach out to the App Store marketing team. I think they have an email address on their site. One of the things I'll tell you that we've used in the past that has worked well is actually doing some of the work for them. So people love when other people do work for them, right? It's just a basic thing. And when you send the App Store review team a some thoughts on, hey, here's 10 apps that are similar around this particular theme, you know, maybe it's a holiday theme or maybe it's, you know, uh, maybe it's a sporting theme and your app just happens to be one of those. You know, it would be awesome to see a category of productivity. So, so we, we did this with apps for getting stuff done, right? And we just said, Hey, here's some other cool apps and, you know, they're great apps for, for getting stuff done. And I don't know if that had anything to do with it, at least in it. And then there was a getting stuff done category that kind of came out shortly thereafter, but we had mentioned it and they included free time. And so it was, it was on there for a long time. I mean, those sorts of curated categories, I think, and telling them and giving them some free work is absolutely a good trick. And then there's, you know, so, so that's one. The other I'd say is, you know, being a good steward of the, the social media channels and telling a great story. Uh, you know, that's, that's what, the social piece is a part of as well. It's about telling that story. And so the, the app exists, but how can you kind of tell that story outside of the app? So videos and, and, uh, you know, demonstrating the functionality and the context of the app in the real world, engaging with people on, uh, on social media channels. And I think that just kind of all goes into the cohesiveness of the product. Ultimately, you're building a product. And I think Apple likes to see that. It, you can get a lot of buzz also, you know, in other ways outside of the app store, but an Apple picks up on that. When they see apps kind of, you know, go a little bit of viral, they want to be out there and say, hey, is this an iTunes exclusive? Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, is this only in the app store? Because that's their big thing now. It's like only in the app store. So, yeah, I mean, it's all a little bit of a crap shot, right? But these are all good things to do. That's the, I think that's the important thing here is that regardless of whether you, you do these and you don't get featured, it's a good thing to do for your, for your product. I think that's like the best advice of the episode, just in yeah. general. You know, I think when I was getting in, uh, started with iOS development, the local meetup group here, they had, you know, a healthy fear slash respect of the app review system and Apple's opinion of the developers in general. So don't do things that are explicitly called out in the HIG. You know, don't deliberately just, you know, ignore the advice of, of Apple. You know, sometimes they'll say something at DubDub or, or publicly and uh, you don't know really know what they mean, but you can kind of guess what they mean. You know, like, you know, wink, wink, you should look here type of things. Uh, yeah. Oftentimes, you know, you just listen to the advice, you know, try to stay in within the rules and there's no guaranteed recipe to get featured. Um, certainly, I would say, like, I would be scared, completely scared to try any of the, uh, you know, like the scammy buy your downloads type things. Because like you said, like maybe you're on a list, like a positive list once you've been featured and people maybe get a, a second look at your app the next time you publish one because you were featured before. But the reverse of that is certainly true where they've got a list of people who are, you know, troublemakers or whatever. And, it's the like, naughty you know, or nice list. Yeah, exactly. And, it, you know, <laughs> good or bad, this is the world we live in. And, you know, if you choose to develop for this platform, I think that, uh, you know, it's not going to hurt you to play by their rules. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would totally agree with you or second your statement about, you know, the buy your way to the top sort of approach. I think that's generally bad, at least now. 
I remember we used to do, well, we did like app a day once and it generated a ton of downloads. But this is also before I think they had actually figured out how valuable what they were offering was. And now it's gotten so diluted in the number of people. I mean, at the end of the day, you're buying people that are coming to your app just for a split second and then they're bouncing. And it doesn't really translate and it feels kind of scummy and you just have a bad taste afterwards. And I think that you're absolutely right. Like it's something that Apple notices, you know, engaging in those sorts of tactics isn't really necessarily the way that they see as a valuable use of people's hard-earned dollars. So yeah, I kind of go back and forth on those sometimes because I've certainly seen them do lifts, but I think it's really more of a lift on the charts. That's about it. So you mentioned something about only in the app store. So do you not get as much credit if you have it in the Android app store as well? You know, maybe they're kind of like in a backhanded way starting that war against Android. They haven't done this. I mean, this is a new thing, I would say, probably in the last maybe the last year, maybe even less than that. But yeah, there's a new section that they very prominently have pushed even, I think it's still up this week, that is only in the App Store. And it's kind of this new badge. And maybe it's a little bit of a, not a threat, but a, hey, you know, stay with us and it'll be good. We'll help you out. But I don't necessarily know if it's a good way to do it. Really what I'd say is, you know, make the business decision yourself. And there's a big difference between IndieDev and, you know, the company that already has a, an offering and just needs to get out to people, right? That, that's a totally different scenario. But if you don't have to be on both platforms, then stick on one, right? There's, again, it's good that you, it's more likely that you get featured, right? Because you're only on, on the App Store, but you also don't have to build apps on multiple platforms. So it's good for you uh, regardless. And yeah, so I don't know if it's a, <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, I like that, uh, the way you approach it. People used to ask me, in fact, constantly ask me, you know, what do you need to build an iOS app? Do you have to have a Mac? And I'm like, no, 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 you get to buy a Mac. Yeah. <laughs> well, as a, as a little counterpoint to that, our desktop apps are on Mac and Windows. And we were just recently, a few weeks ago, featured on the Mac App Store for one of those apps that's on Windows too. And it didn't seem to have hurt us, but uh, maybe they don't care so much about Windows now as they do about Android. Yeah, I don't. I, I definitely don't know. I have less experience on the the desktop side, but I've certainly seen apps that are iOS or uh, App Store only just get stupid amounts of of, uh, <laughs> of love from the App Store team. It's it's. I feel like the next time I submit, I should say, "By the way, guys, we're also App Store only." <laughs> uh, put it in my put in my App well, Store description. Yeah. So you you have the uh, the special reviewer notes. And uh, at some point, I saw I saw a, uh, a screenshot. Somebody said, "Man, you're looking mighty handsome slash pretty today." <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, it can't hurt." There you go. It's uh, yeah. Maybe I'll try that when we submit our our new version. So <laughs> all right, I've got an app idea for all our listeners. To do list with iBeacon and iOS exclusive. Go <laughs> and iOS eight. Yeah, yes. you got to have Passbook too. Here's here's there the one go. hint I will say. I mean. They've been pushing this extremely hard for the last multiple years, but auto layout. And people who are building apps that do not include auto layout right now, I completely understand why they aren't doing it because it's tough. Like, and it's tough for me too, but there's no doubt in my mind that auto layout is going to be a very big part of iOS 8 and they are going to love the apps that just work right out of the box. So. Yeah, I mean, if if all of the rumors about the larger screen sizes are true, which I think they are. You know, they've been winking at this. <laughs> you should use auto layout and then for, for years. Other, yeah. And then the taller yeah. phone come out and they're like, yeah. So, you know, it was, what was it? 2010. They're like, you should use auto layout. And then 2011, 20, I don't remember the years. They're like, you should use auto layout. And then, you know, the next year came out and then there was a new phone and they're like, you remember last year in time when we told you you should use auto layout? 
yeah your f's would just look fine you know yeah i i think i think that's a that's a real way that's that's the best way to do it right getting on that bandwagon and uh jumping in with those guys and and saying hey we're we're with you we're 100 percent behind you we're going to take the latest greatest and and do cool things with it they're really psyched up about that so one more question I have, and that is, it seems like we've talked about like awesome apps that do something on the phone. Are you less likely to be featured if your app is like an interface to an online SaaS product? I don't think so, actually, just based on, I mean, most of the apps that I can think of that are featured on the app store have a, you know, have a backend some way somehow and have a existing product uh, that could be used even outside of the app. So I don't think it's that. What I will say is that one of the sad realities is that Oftentimes, I don't think they feature apps that include hardware as much as they do apps that can, can be completely just used out of the box, right? Because they got to think about the people that, I mean, think about it yourselves, right? You're in charge of the apps. There's, you know, millions upon millions of people who are downloading it. And if you put an app that only a thousand people have the hardware for, it's just a, a bad experience all around. So, I think they probably do take that into consideration when it comes to, you know, what apps they feature. I think it's less on the SaaS side just because ultimately if they're building an app, it needs to function on its own anyways. They're unlikely to put something that just says, Hey, you've got to pay 40 bucks to get this. So yes and no. Well, but I think the other thing is, of course, they're not likely to feature apps that don't have a somewhat broad appeal. It's some really niche thing that 10 people want. They're not going to feature it. Yeah, definitely mass appeal is a big one. But again, you, you start talking about those categories too, right? Like there's lots of very specific categories that um, can appeal to a certain subset of people. So you can still get that. You probably won't get you know the, the big feature on the, the main page, but you can certainly get into a category, both you know the top level categories like productivity and you know medical, but you can also get one of those secondary kind of featured categories too. So there's all sorts of ways to do it. I guess I wouldn't want to discourage anybody who has a niche app because they're still doing cool stuff too. So, yep. All right. Well, is there anything else that we haven't asked or covered before we get to the picks? I feel like we've, we've got everything. I wish I had the, you know, I wish I had the magic, uh, the magic bullet of sorts or the, the secret to all of the success and featuring of on the app store. But, you know, ultimately it comes down to making something great and just believing in it. So maybe as disappointing as that may sound for people who are like, I want a recipe. Hopefully that's at least helpful. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and do the picks then. Ben, do you want to start us off with the picks? Uh, sure. So um, I just bought a new guitar and I love it. So I'm going to pick a Fender American Stratocaster. It's just so awesome. Uh, so if you're a guitar player, you should, you probably already know. <laughs> Fender, I'm going to pick it anyway. Yeah. Uh, to a car somehow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, second pick. So I, I work in a team room and uh, all of us actually play guitar. And so we, we talk about pedals and effects a lot. And um, I've been in the market for a nice chorus pedal and uh, found a lot of good comments from uh, BYOC chorus pedals, which means build your own clone. And uh, you can buy a kit where it comes with the printed PCB and a bunch of capacitors and transistors and resistors and everything else you need, uh, little ICs you can solder. So if you're good with soldering, and it comes with a nice little enclosure with the knobs and everything, so you, you know you follow the directions and build your own pedal, you're not going to save any money because <laughs> it costs you know as much as a good 
boutique petal wood, but you can paint the enclosure yourself and have a sense of accomplishment and probably learn a bunch of things about electronics and guitar signals along the way. So I will uh, pick that. And then my last pick, I decided to pick up the Diablo 3 expansion, and I really like it. I replaced all my gear in the first run I <laughs> the first run I did, which was only about 30 or 40 minutes. Uh, so plenty of uh, fun to be had there. So those are my picks. Awesome. James, what are your picks? All right, I've got one pick. And we've all had that problem that we stayed up all night working on and ended up being like a one-character fix. We had a you know, semicolon out of place or something. And we all know what we said after we figured out the problem. But some people actually committed those things to GitHub, and there's a place where you can check that out. So I've been reading commit logs from last night because real hackers pivot two hours before their demo. So it's <laughs> not safe for work, but fairly entertaining. So that's my pick. Funny. Andrew, what are your picks? I've got a couple picks today. The first one is a thing that a coworker of mine found today, and uh, it's a, it's by somebody at Real Mac Software. It's He's basically written a Cocoa app that's a front end to a command line app that I don't think very many people know about, but it's part of the developer tools. And the whole idea is this lets you update the metadata for your apps on iTunes Connect really much more easily than going to the iTunes Connect website and clicking through every single localization and up- uploading every single updated screenshot, etc. So uh, I don't really know what it's called. Oh, it's it's called Connector, and it's an open source app on GitHub. Pretty cool could save a lot of time, at least for people who need to update a lot of different localizations or a lot of different metadata for their apps. And then my second pick is another record, record store pick. I was in Denver last week and found this record store that is called Twist and Shout, and I have to say it's one of the best record stores I've ever been to. I was really, really surprised and impressed with their selection. They had rare stuff and new stuff and old stuff and, and used, and it was, I found a lot of cool stuff in my wallet came out of it a lot lighter but so it's twist and shout records and those are my picks cool i've got a couple of picks uh, my first pick is a heil pl2t boom arm for my uh, microphone um, i was using a another one that i bought a few years ago and uh, this one's really nice it actually i'm not sure how to explain how it works differently um, it doesn't have the springs on the outside, which I'd always bump, and then there'd be this funny noise. The other thing is is that the way that it articulates the part that has the microphone on it allows me to just kind of put it in front of my face without putting it in my uh, line of sight, my monitors. And so it's really nice to be able to just uh, sit back and record the podcasts or screencasts and be able to still see the screen without it hanging from the boom arm in front of me. And so uh, I'm really liking that. A few other picks that I have, I may have picked this on the show before, but uh, the book Platform by Michael Hyatt um, is a terrific uh, kind of basic marketing strategy book. And I know we're talking about getting featured, and I'm aware that uh, if something kind of takes off in the App Store, a lot of times that'll get noticed as well. And so if you can build some hype about it outside of, of Apple, like we said, then that can help. And, and this will kind of walk you through some of that. I've also been reading the Dave Ramsey books, so uh, The Total Money Makeover. I listen to it on Audible, and I, I'm listening to it once a month as my penance for not being out of debt, and it just it just kind of spurs me along to do that. And then the other one that I'm reading is called Smart Money, Smart Kids, and it's uh, Dave Ramsey and his daughter Rachel Cruz, and they're talking about how you teach your kids about money, and I, I've been really, really enjoying that and got been getting some terrific ideas about how to teach my kids how to handle money, so... I'll put those uh, in the show notes. 
And Ben Johnson, what are your picks? All right. So I have a couple of picks. I have um, two apps and, and then some other stuff. So I'm going to start with the apps. I have one that is currently featured and then one that isn't featured but should. So the, the one that's currently featured is a really fantastic app called Breeze. It's an activity tracker. It's by the guys over at RunKeeper. They're here in Boston, and uh, they actually demoed at one of our events last night. Super great app, great animations, very simple, very focused, a really good example of you know what it takes to get featured. Fortunately, you have to have a 5S, but if you don't have one, look at the screenshots and see how simple it is. That's kind of my first pick. And then my second pick is a very, very cool app that I saw demoed last night as well called Can Opener. And it is basically, you know, to go along with the audio theme, a uh, really cool app to uh, allow for kind of tuning and tweaking the audio that goes into headphones or, or speaker systems. And it is unbelievably cool uh, and, and very, very slick. And then my two non-app picks one is uh, SaneBox. I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but it's an email management tool that is basically saving saving my life right now uh, based on the amount of email I get, and it just very intelligently hides things till later. And then the last is a good tool for being featured, which is called Pop. It is a new open-sourced framework from Facebook that has lots of cool things in terms of animations and uh, fluid kind of physics and mechanics based on their new app, Paper, which... Uh, has been out for a while and, and has some very cool interactions in it. And I am looking forward to integrating it in some of our apps here to kind of raise the bar in terms of interactivity and user experience and awesomeness. So those are my picks. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate you taking the time and uh, helping us figure some of this stuff out. Yeah, happy to. Hopefully I was able to help and like I said, it's it's not all about getting featured. If you do, celebrate it. But if you don't, you're doing some good stuff and uh, keep doing awesome things. All right. Well, I think that's it. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more. 